All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Ed Arms Like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the amazing, great, tremendous, any other adjective you want to use. 
Zephyr Epic. The great folks there coming out with that Series 2 of the uh, of the Upper Deck uh, rookie cards. Young Guns are going to be in there. We're going to be looking forward to that. The pre-order sale is now available at ZephyrEpic.com. Check them out. Uh, more information on our Twitter as well if you want to just check them out there. Instagram, they're everywhere. My name is Chris Faber. Joining me now, co-host of the show... David Quadrelli. Quads, how you doing, man? We just had a fun uh, Patreon episode where we talked about uh, fighting in baseball for about 30 minutes. That was fun. And we saw a picture of your bench-clearing brawl with a guy who's now in the Cubs organization wrapped around your back. Like, that came out of nowhere. We had no plans of that, but we just kind of went off <laughs> on a little favoring quads shooting it. And, uh, yeah, somehow we got on to fighting in baseball, told a few stories of our uh, glory days, uh, one of those being when you got into a brawl with 20 guys and there was three of your teammates around you. The, the photo's hilarious. I just saw it for the first time, and it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's on the Patreon there right now uh, for those Patreon supporters. And maybe if you haven't checked it out, uh, patreon.com slash Convo, you might be able to see the picture. I think you can count... 19 guys from Victoria and three guys from from my team Nanaimo there so yeah that was uh that wasn't a fair fight but uh we held up our own anyways yeah let's uh let's dive into the show man we have a lot to talk about obviously Canucks are not in a great spot it's gonna be a weird kind of transition because we just talked uh, on the Patreon with no hockey talk at all but now we're gonna get right into it because the Canucks and their current situation man has it been a tough week here after what felt like a pretty promising stretch against the Ottawa Senators and Winnipeg Jets now with three straight losses two to the Montreal Canadiens and and a bad one against the Toronto Maple Leafs I mean I think oh, we'll start their quads because this team obviously isn't going to win every single game this year and they're not going to lose every single game this year but the thing that's worrisome for me is seeing the way that this team is losing games just from being outplayed outskated and maybe outcoached to a certain degree but definitely out general managed to a certain point I mean when you have a guy like Jason Spezza coming up and giving you a hat trick making 700 grand a year I mean that's just the the tip of the iceberg for what a team can build their roster with and the Canucks, the fact that they have to add so much money to pay for some of these bottom six veteran guys. I mean, it's, it's definitely worrisome, but what are you seeing right now from these, these losses that are just so demoralizing to this Canucks team? It's so weird because one week they're turning over the puck and then the next week they're just not trying to get the puck. And I think that's what we saw against Toronto, against Montreal. We saw a lot of turnovers. We saw a lot of carelessness once you had the puck and Montreal pouncing. But in Toronto, we definitely just saw less, like, I don't want to use the term, oh, they wanted it less, but it looks like they wanted it less. Like, they weren't going into board battles. And Chris, can I just say, sometimes it looks like Nils Hoaglander's the only person that's trying with this Canucks team. Like, Honestly, against Toronto, I would say that Niels Hoaglander may have looked like one of the... And Bo Horvat, you get the same effort from him every night. But, you know, Niels Hoaglander legitimately looks like one of the Canucks' most consistent players in terms of just effort and compete level. Like, the guy goes 100% every shift. And I think it's interesting because you and I both know that's what you're going to get from Vasily Podkolzin when he gets here. And he may get here toward the end of the year. I know you love when people ask you about when Podkolzin can actually get here, but there's there's a scenario where he gets here and helps them. Maybe they're in the hunt for a playoff spot. I know right now it seems like wishful thinking, but remember, like, this is still close. Like, the Canucks could still turn this around. You know, the concern is obviously just how badly they're losing when they lose. Like, these games aren't close, Chris. These are, these are like, they're losing by four goals each game that they lose. It's not good. It is not good right now for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know who you're supposed to blame. I mean, we're obviously going to get into it, but 
a lot of it actually has to go on the players, right? And here's the thing is a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, it's systems. Like Travis Green needs to change the system. Like Satyar Shah put it best. I don't think it's ex- it's execution of the systems and it's the personnel working the systems. Not so much the systems not working. I Like it, it's tough for me to look at this team and say, oh, well, Travis Green, there's your problem. Like there's the issue. It's really tough for me to do that. I just... I don't think that moving out, like, you know, there's people saying like, oh, well, if they lose on Saturday, Travis is gone by Monday. I I don't know what that's going to solve, Chris. Like, do you think that's going to happen? Because, you know, and when I say that's going to happen, I don't mean, do you think Travis is going to get fired? Because I don't think either of us think that. And I think we'll, we'll get into that more soon. But do you even think a coaching change would help this team? I think that a shakeup will help this team. And, and I think that, you know, they're at a certain point where you can do, I think you need to start with the smallest thing and you need to shake up something in the roster, right? I mean, you need to shake up the lines and we're seeing that right now with the top six being swapped around the lot of line being taken apart. And I think that's like the first step, but the second step normally is a coach, right? Like if your team is just struggling, it's the second step normally after the roster, if your trade can't help you, the coach is kind of the next thing to happen. I just, I, we kind of talked about this late last night when we were texting back and forth at 2 a.m. Because uh, we do that pretty much every night. But I think the thing that we were both talking about was like, I, I can't see it being Travis Green that's let go if this team continues to struggle. Like, I, I, I get that a lot of people are saying that Travis isn't doing a good job with this group, but look at the group that's, that he's been handed. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going bad, obviously, in the top six. The top six guys who are normally the best players just simply aren't playing like the best players. The bottom six hasn't been horrible. Like, they've been pretty sufficient, I think, at doing their job as a bottom six line. I know that they get outshot quite a bit, but seeing what that, that group of that Beagle line has been doing throughout the season, like, it's much better than we've seen in the past. It's really on the top six guys and the bad giveaways and them not being able to control possession like we've seen in the past. And it's, it's kind of tough to, like, go into these media Zoom calls that we have after game and just ask the exact same questions to them. It's like, what's going wrong? Like, nobody has an answer for it. And that's that's the problem. Like, it's not just the way that they're playing on the ice. It's that nobody is stepping up to make a change that's going to help them. And maybe that does fall on the coach to a certain degree, right? I mean, he's the one making the game plan for this team, throwing them out there every night and expecting them to perform to what they what they can be and certainly they're not getting to that point i wonder if it's something to do with the game plan or if they can change anything about it but some onus does fall on the coach at this point i i think that he's had to make changes he's made changes so far and over the past four games or sorry three games here it just it hasn't worked right i i think the top six has looked worse as a whole than what we saw when the lotto line was together and the pearson horvat huglander line was together i think it's it's looked worse with the switches that he's made I know that we saw a goal from Tanner Pearson the other night. It really doesn't mean much in a 7-3 to game where your team just can't keep the puck out of your own net. But for me, it's it, it starts with a lot of just the effort level of these guys trying to move the puck from their zone out. Just getting the puck out of your defensive zone. Like, how much of a little thing is it just to get it past the blue line, right? I mean, this team gives away a lot of pucks just in their own zone. We're seeing a lot of it and just a lack of effort to a certain degree when this team at no other point in the past few years like as it felt like they've needed more effort than right now and you're getting you're just not getting that from a lot of players I mean we could start with with JT Miller and I think that's that's where a lot of people have kind of pointed you know it's easy to see with the eye test to see that there's certain times where JT Miller's frustration has gotten the best of him and I think that there was it was on 
absolute showcase seeing what he did against Austin Matthews and and Miller said post game that he thought Jordy Ben was going to take the guy they're both communicating about it he felt like he was on the other side but man when you have Austin Matthews coming down the wing on you I think the last thing you should be thinking about is like oh I'll let the defenseman come over and help on the side like you got to lean on him. Like, he kind of just let him go to the net a little bit easier. And I think that's kind of where, like, that play felt like what we've seen in all of these losses, right? I mean, all of these bad losses for the Vancouver Canucks, that moment just felt like what we've seen in all of them. I feel bad for Thatcher Demko. And not to get on goalie talk, because I know that's kind of what I do. But, man, like, the guy gets sent out to us after a 7-3 loss where he was not the problem. Like... (laughs) It's like what what are we supposed to ask Thatcher Demko after that loss? You know what I mean? It's like so Thatcher does it does it frustrate you to have this team playing like this in front of you? Like what do you want him to say? You know what I mean? It's just I don't know. We were talking about Zoom calls, so yeah, I thought I'd throw that in there. I feel bad for him. But on the topic of Travis Chris, like the one thing I want to say is Jim's already fired Willie Desjardins in his tenure. A lot of times people say coaches don't get to fire two coaches. And remember, Francesco has to sign off on these firings. My understanding and kind of what we've all been hearing is that Francesco really likes him some Travis Green. And why wouldn't you, right? Like, if Travis Green were to get fired by the Canucks tomorrow, he'd have no problem finding a job in the NHL. I guarantee it. Someone would pick up Travis Green. He's he's in that tier now. You know, he came up as an AHL coach, but now... He's in that tier above where he's actually somebody that is maybe a little more highly coveted. You know, you look at a Gerard Galland. A lot of people are saying, oh, maybe the Canucks could go target him. I think Travis has a good pulse on this team. The one thing I'll say about Travis, and I think the one thing you can critique, is that ever since he's taken over as the general manager, as the coach of the Canucks, he's been able to get the most out of whatever roster he's been given. You look at the years where Derek Dorsett, he made the decision to play Dorsett instead of Brock Besser, and the fans were sharpening their pitchforks, Canucks win both of those games. I'm just saying, Travis seems to know how to get the most out of a lackluster roster, and I think right now, he's not doing that. So I think that's really the only gripe you could have on Travis, but again, I don't think it's... It's hard to put the blame on him when his top guys just aren't playing the best that they can because that's how this roster is constructed. Like, they need their top guys to be at their best, and they really do need that elite-level goaltending, and they're unfortunately just not going to be able to get it with Jacob Markstrom gone. So, you know, you, you take away that. You take away Chris Tanev, right? And, you know, nobody's sitting here saying, oh, well, they had to retain both of those guys. But that's tough. That's really tough to lose both of those guys. That is not easy for a team to do. Again, like those are not only character guys, but man, like Markstrom was a very important player on this team. Like a lot of people felt he was the MVP. And I think that's a pretty safe assumption, right? Like if, if not second MVP, he was the MVP. So to lose him, you know, it's tough because I think the results are kind of what you would expect when you look at the moves that happened this offseason. Yeah, well, he was the MVP. But to move on to what I said about the coaches last year, or I told you this last night, and I think we're at the point right now where I don't know if the next, like, call it a firing, calling a letting go, whatever you want to call it, I don't think the next decision to come from a firing comes from from Jim Benning. Like, I, I think he's lost that privilege, to be 100% honest. I think, I think it comes from Aquilini. I think it's Aquilini's decision at this point right now to say, you know, if it, if it's Travis Green, I don't think that's well. I think that's coming from Benning, but I think it's cleared by Aquilini. 
And I do think the first thing that comes down is going to be Aquilini making a decision on the general manager. And I know that we're not going to get too far into it right now, but I mean, to see what they do on Saturday, like this, if they have a showing like they did on Thursday night against the Leafs, which, you know, a well-rested Toronto Maple Leafs team that has a ton of skill, matches up well against the Canucks and their deficiencies in their defense right now and the ability to capitalize on turnovers that we're seeing so much, like... Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, you're playing Toronto, like all of Canada's watching, probably a lot of hockey fans around the world will be watching that game, and I think if, if the Canucks really come out and have a bad showing, it's it's going to be a really tough look for Jim Benning and the roster that he's put together here, even though like what you said is right, like Travis Green just isn't quite getting the best out of his top six, and I guess we'll go on to the players of that group a little bit, because I, I said it last week on the midweek show that we had, like, I don't like the combination that you're seeing in the top six right now. I think I think Horvat should go back down to play with Pearson and Huglander. I've floated the idea of potentially seeing Huglander, Horvat, and Vertanen play together and move Pearson down. But I, the one thing I need to see and I'd love to see on Saturday night is go back to the lotto line. Like, I, I really think that that line, though they haven't been great of a lot of the analytics numbers, heck, the eye test as well. I think the reason the analytics make them look so bad is because of the things that we're seeing with the eye test with the lot line, and it's those bad giveaways. It's the you know the bad giveaways in your own zone that need to be cleaned up. Once those are cleaned up, I really think that you know seeing that the lot line is one of the worst in the NHL for expected goals against. I think that's just because of those bad giveaways, right? Like it's really got to be because it's not because of the play that they've had in the amount of time on the ice. Like their numbers are really multiplied badly in the defensive side of things, just because of how bad. They've been on those just egregious giveaways that they've had. And I really think that that line is going to have a chance to get going. They've proved that they've been one of the best lines in the NHL when they've been together. I, I That's the first move I would make. I would go right back to the lotto line on Saturday night. But uh, do you have the same feeling about it? Like, what do you think about the top six? Because that's the motor that's going to run this team. We said it throughout the playoffs. That's the motor that's going to get this team over the top is the the strength that they had in their top six. Well, I don't, I don't agree that moving Pearson down is the move. Like the guy's got two goals in his last two games, and I, I've really liked him with Patterson and Hoglander. Surprisingly, I have. Like I wasn't expecting it. Just like you, I was not expecting to see that. But I think for what it's worth, Tanner Pearson's been just fine on that line. And I think, you know, I, I think you have to give it one more look with Patterson with Hoglander because. That lotto line, it just wasn't going, man. And I think I think having Horvat with Miller, because obviously right now that lotto line wasn't great in its own end. You have Horvat who's responsible defensively. He can play that style. I think it's a good idea to have Miller with Horvat. Like maybe, maybe you experiment Miller with Pearson and Horvat, try and get Miller going that way, and then you have Pearson, Hoglander, Besser. Like you, you've got to get creative is what I'm saying, and I don't think going back to the lotto line, which just was not working early on, I don't think that's the move at this point in time. I, I think that what you're doing with JT Miller, though, is like JT Miller's got a good shot, right? I mean, everybody sees that. He's got a good shot. When you have Pedersen on the ice with him, it, it just opens up so much more room because you're not focused in on JT Miller. Like when Miller's playing with Horvat and Besser, 
Like, I think you can go out and say that, you know, JT Miller, what he did last year, was a better scorer than Brock Besser last season. This year, it looks a little bit different. Brock's finding a way to score goals in different ways, and he's not really the the pure sniper like we've seen before. Like, he's added to his offensive repertoire to be able to score in different ways, which is great to see. But I think that Miller and Pedersen, the reason why they work so well was because teams just focus on Pedersen. Like, defensemen and guys in their own zone, they say, like, we can't, like, whatever we do, we can't give this guy enough space. He's going to go bar down on our goaltender. And I think that opens up the space for JT Miller, which is why we find so much work for him. And, and why, even on the power play, like, to switch it up a little bit, like, that's why I think he's finding so much space on the power plays because people have to key on to Horvat now because of what he's shown. People have to key on to Elias Pedersen from what he's shown. And that opens up so much room for JT Miller. I think that's what you see at 5-on-5. Five five. So I, I think if you're going to go with duos, I think you need to go back with Horvat and Pearson because something works with them and then go back to Pedersen and Miller because obviously it, it opens up space for both guys, I think. The way that Miller normally works in an offensive zone to get the puck for Pedersen and the way that Pedersen, you know, his... I guess like the the way that defense have to look at Pedersen opens up space for Miller. So I really think that both those relationships work well that way. Um, I just, I, there's, I, I just, I think you have to go back to the lotto line, man. Like I, I just feel like that is the best bet for the Vancouver Canucks right now, just to see if you can jumpstart. Like what if they go out and have one of those games? Like we saw so many times last year on Saturday, like that is just so huge, not only for those three guys, but for the whole team to say like, Oh damn, like our big guys went out and won us a game tonight. You know, they went out and won that game for us. I think, I think that's the way to jumpstart this team the best anyways. Yeah. But what if they have another stinker? Like (laughs) I'm just saying like, okay, here's what I'll say. I think, you can start with that line or you can start with the lines I just suggested or whatever they want to start with and then go to it if those lines aren't clicking. I don't know if you can just, you know, make them wear it. You know what I mean? Like if you start them and they're not working, you're just like, get back out there, keep going. If it's not working, they've got to make a move fast. Like they can't, I don't know, like we talk about the line blender and everything and yeah, sometimes it does mess with players to be changing line mates like that, but if they're not going, they're really not going, and they just have to change it up. I I don't think the... Like, here's something that's clear, Chris, is the Canucks cannot go out on Saturday night and have another stinker. Like, that's where it will get very serious. Like, jobs are already on the line. We've heard Hockey Night in Canada talking about it. Those guys are well-connected. That's going to be a turning point for this franchise, I think, if they go out and have another stinker to the Maple Leafs, because I think it's safe to say that this is probably the most disappointing year that this regime has had, I think, where expectations were higher and they just weren't able to produce, if that makes sense. Like, I'd say that it's safe to say that. And when you look at winning percentage, I think, I believe Jim Benning's most successful year as general manager was his first year as the general manager of the team. And then they, obviously they went into a rebuild, but you know, I, you, you obviously can't compare the Jason Magna years. Those were very dark times, 2016, 17 uh, for the Canucks. They were definitely in a rebuild that year, but I, I think this is arguably the most disappointing start to a season they've had certainly under Jim Benning and maybe in a long time. Yeah. I, th- I think you're bang on by saying disappointing, right? Like that's, that's the right word because there were expectations coming into this year. But before we go, by the way, I'm a huge fan of you calling stuff stinkers. Now that, that sounds really good on the audio. Really? Okay. Yeah. Good to big know. fan of that. I hope, I hope the uh, listeners of the show agree with me, uh, but to go on, I wanted to just float the idea 
<laughs> because I'm going to go out and do it. And I know a lot of people aren't going to like this idea, but I think Jake Vertanen going in back into the top six is a good move too. Like, Are you kidding me? What no, have you I, seen from Jake that makes you think putting him in the top six is a good idea? It's not exactly what I've seen from Jake. It's what I think you might see from Jake playing alongside Niels Huglander. Because Niels Huglander goes out there every single shift. He works his ass off. He gets the puck. He makes good passes. He sets up guys in scoring chances a lot. He might be doing that at the highest rate right now on the Vancouver Canucks. I think Harmon Dial had a really good really good article and did some tracking on this, uh, setting up like, what was it, a primary assist to shot yes. attempts? I think he was yep, second yep. in the league. Really good job by Harm, obviously. We'll, we'll get Harm back on the show here soon. Maybe he can break it down for us. But I think if you go out there and you put Horvat, Huglander together, they seem to work well. Moving Pearson down to play with Sutter, I think that they do a, they do a similar way of scoring goals around the net that maybe that even helps the third line a little bit just because Tanner Pearson's been pretty good around the net so far this year. But I think if you throw Jake up there, I think that might help the top nine as a whole if he's just able to see, like, you mentioned it. The two guys that are going out every single night and giving the most effort are Horvat and, and Hoglander. If you start a game with Vertanen on that line and he just, at some point, doesn't give you enough effort, you just throw him right out of the lineup. Like, you don't you don't play him. You, just, you can double shift someone else on the wing. You can bring Pearson up to double shift. Maybe you put Brock Besser on there for double shifts at times. Or JT Miller or Pedersen. Just, like, double shift and be like... If you don't get it from Vertanen, just sit him for the game. But, like, if he comes in to that situation, that role where he was really hoping to be coming out of training camp before Huglander was put there with Pearson and Horvat, like, I think that's a chance to spark Jake just a little bit. Like, these two guys have done a great job so far this year of setting up their teammates, making that line be pretty efficient at 5-on-5. I think adding a guy like Jake who has the potential to score goals, that might be the way to get Jake going. And, like, straight up, like, you need... Like, we touched on it very early on in this episode, but the roster needs a shakeup because what they're doing right now isn't working. You know, the game plan can maybe be changed. That might be the idea, and then stay with the lines that you got. But why not try a different situation with the roster that you currently have? Because, yeah, if they go out and lose... If they lose all three of these games to the Leafs, like, somebody somebody is going to get fired. Like, I, I hate to say it, but... You know, somebody is going to get fired if they lose these three games to the Leafs. It's just, it's as simple as that. Or even Saturday night if they have a really bad performance. Like, somebody's going to go. There's a change that needs to be made in the organization. I don't think bringing in guys like Louis Erickson or Justin Bailey off the taxi squad or the extra man, because I know they're flip-flopping them like crazy right now. But I don't think that's the move. I think the move is Jake and, and putting him into a spot where he is likely to have the most success. I think that's a spot where you can get the most out of him. You're not losing a ton by dropping Tanner Pearson out of there, I think, and playing him on the third line, because then your third line has some potential to to actually contribute goals as well, because I think Pearson and Sutter, the way that they play, I feel like that would work together. You know, the more you talked about it, like the more it kind of made sense, because it's like you haven't seen much from Jake. That much is clear. Travis hasn't seen much from Jake, but you also haven't seen much from the Canucks' very stagnant top six. I don't know. Like, I don't hate the idea as much as I did when you first brought it up, but I'm still not convinced that Jake's going to move the needle at all, man. Like, I get get that playing with Hoglander is going to help, potentially, but what... like, what if, what if Jake sees that and is like, oh, perfect, now there's somebody that goes into board battles. I don't need to. And he's just he's even more lazy. Like, hey, you know what I mean? You know what? You just At don't the same know. time, he doesn't... 
like I think it has a chance to spark him, but even if it doesn't, like even if he's not going he's not gonna go into board battles like Hoglander. Like we know that. That's that's just not gonna happen. Yep. That's not the way that Jake plays the game. But he is a strict like he's not a power forward. He's not great on the four check. He's not great defensively. But the thing that Jake can do is get up and down the ice with speed, specifically up, not really down as much, but he can get up the ice pretty fast with a lot of speed, might be the fastest guy on this Canucks team, and he has a pretty good shot. Like, he has a good shot. He's not a power forward or a grinder. He is a straight-up, up-and-down shooter with speed. That's what he is. He's not a power forward at all. He is just a guy who has a good shot and has speed. I think if you put a guy that has a good shot and speed on a line with Horvat and Hoglander, the way that they're going to work in board battles and find open ice, and, you know, the way that like Horvander, Horvat is scoring, I think he demands a little bit of attention in the offensive zone. It might make Jake, like... Like, it might make teams look at that line and, and focus on Jake the least. Like, they're going to see what this Huglander kid does with the puck. They know what Horvat's been able to do around the net with the shot. Like, this might make Jake kind of the forgotten guy on that line, which is probably the best situation for him. Like, that is the best situation for him to have offensive success is for people to just absolutely forget about who Jake Vertanen is, right? And I think a lot of people are almost at that point, if we're being honest. But if he's able to just find a little bit of success and just play that up and down shoot the puck style i think the best fit is with horvat and huglander that's really interesting like you know you know what's really interesting chris is that we've been talking for a while now that vasily pod colton's going to come in and he's going to be exactly what everybody thought jake vertanen was going to be and wanted jake vertanen to be but what we didn't see coming was nils huglander doing that that exact thing like hoglander's come in hoglander's been a great power forward and he's like what what is he like five nine like the guy is my size and he well i mean you know he's he's a lot more built in his legs than i am but uh you know like he's a power forward and he's just a little fella and man i'm just saying like you have pod colton coming right like he's gonna be here next year and we already know what he's gonna bring to the table and Hoglander's kind of just found money at this point and it's crazy to think about but could you imagine this team without Hoglander like if Hoglander came into camp and played exactly how we thought he we he would and he's just on the taxi squad or he's you know third line you have to shelter him he can't play away from the puck what if that was the case like how much worse is this like again we're looking at Louis Erickson and Jake Vertanen in the top six and might I add that my bold prediction of uh, Louis Erickson has played his last game as a Canuck is looking a lot better. When I made that prediction in training camp, I, I was worried about it at first, but it, it's looking a lot better now, now that Hoglander's come out and just yeah. been dynamite. Yeah, you're right. And I think I think we're at the point where Louis might actually get in the lineup here pretty soon, though. I think, yeah, you're right. You know, I think it's something that we might see specifically with, with teams boat racing the Canucks and putting up seven goals on them consistently. I mean, this this team needs some help in the defensive zone, and, and Travis Green seems to think that's what Erickson does to the Horvat line. And, but, I mean, really, he just shuts that line down. I would be... I would be shocked or like, I, like I'm intrigued actually. I think I'd be intrigued to see what a line of like Huglander, Horvat and Erickson looks like, like it would be so weird. It would be so weird to watch like one guy give you like 150% effort on every shift. And then Louis Erickson just go out there and skate around the ice. Like it would be <laughs> so weird to see what that line would like do for them. But uh, I don't know. I th- I was actually thinking about this today because I was texting with Corey earlier uh, this morning. Corey Hergott, by the way, 
uh, announcement for the show. Every single midweek episode now we're going to have Corey Hergott jumping on the show, riding the buses back. Uh, we texted this morning about it, set it all up. Didn't run out of time on negotiations. We were all good. We got Corey locked in. Uh, he's going to be on every midweek episode to wrap up the weekend that was uh, for the Utica Comets. And I'll do those interviews with him. You might jump on here sometimes. Uh, but that's just an exciting thing, I guess, for the midweek episode. But what I was thinking was, like, how crazy would it be if if Hoglander was in the AHL, like, doing what he's doing right now? And, like, a lot of people thought, like, maybe he'll get a little bit of a, a little stint in the AHL to get used to North American ice. And, like... Dude, he would be ripping up the HL if he was playing the way that he's playing right now. So, I don't know. I think it starts with the top six, and I think it starts with a change to the top six. I just think that putting players in the best position to succeed, I think as a whole in a top nine group, or even all four lines, I think if you're looking at it from that way, like in the way to put players into positions where they can have success, I just think that Jake Vertanen fits on that line to have the most success for him. And his amount of success that he's going to get on the second line instead of the third line compared to what Pearson's going to get on the second line compared to the third line, I think it's higher with Jake because I do think that Pearson will bring something to that third line when we when we see Jake in the bottom six, he just doesn't bring much at all to any game. Yeah, man, could you? I'm still I'm still reeling over you making that Erickson comment like. Erickson's not going to help this lineup, is he? Like, Q, no. I'm all for queuing the no, Louis Erickson f- hero fan cam, but I don't, I don't think he's going to push the needle at all. Like, I don't think. Like, what is the answer? Because here's the thing, Chris. This team is healthy. They're only missing Travis Hamanick, and he's not going to push the needle. So the, like, the answer has to come from within. Like, nothing is going to change for this team. There is no one arriving soon. If anything, they may lose some people to injury. Like, nothing is going to change for this team unless it comes from within. Like, something has to change. And and I don't just mean management has to change. Like, I mean, like, something's got to change with these players. Like, at some point, the top six needs to just take over a game. And, you're look, you're getting it from Thatcher Demko. You're getting some great goaltending. But, you know, he's not going to be Jacob Markstrom. And that's not a fair critique to make on a 25-year-old goaltender. You just can't say that about Thatcher Demko. You can't say, well, you're not Jacob Markstrom, who arguably should have won the Vezina last year. That's not a fair critique of Thatcher Demko. And yeah, Braden Holpe has definitely not looked as great as you'd hope. But again, like he's looked fine to good. I just don't think like, I don't think the goaltenders are the problem with this team, but I definitely don't think they're helping to the extent of they're going to be stealing games for them. Like that's just not what we're seeing right now. And it's just so tough because this team has so many issues and it's hard to pick a place to start, but you know, I guess if I had to pick one thing that really needs to happen for this team to turn it around is their top six guys really need to get going and just really need to get back to being those phenomenal play drivers that they were last year. Like, that's what really needs to happen for this team at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I I looked this up the other day. Um, I'm pretty sure I have... Yeah, I got it right here in front of me now. Like, seeing how much of a difference Jacob Markstrom made in all those moments with these bad turnovers, right? Like, this is a guy who bailed this Canucks team out so much. So Jacob Markstrom's high danger save percentage, this is on high danger shots from the little Pentagon right in front of the net, is 880 at 5 on 5. And the Canucks currently, it's sitting at 770. So like, Oof. you know, like that's a, that's one goal every 10 times that he saves for you. 
And, like, that's why this guy was his team's MVP last year. Like, he held them in games last year where you're getting, like you said, good performances from your goalie still. Like, as a whole, you look at them, they're they're giving you pretty good performance. Definitely Demko is for sure. I just, you know, even even hearing the quote from JT Miller last night that uh, I think I tweeted it out as well. Like, he, he can't yeah. just, the team can't keep putting hold on let me get the let me get the actual quote for me i don't want they to mess can't leave up. their goaltenders out to dry that's yeah. the term he used he said jt miller not keep yeah we cannot yeah, we, keep leaving our goaltenders out to dry yeah it's unacceptable he said and i and he's right but like who's yep. gonna do something about it you know like who's gonna go out there and do something about it because we're just consistently seeing bad giveaways and that's that's the first thing that needs to change right i think that's like we we talk about so much like what has to change with this team what needs to be better they just need to bear down and make easy passes to start. Like, you need to go back to, like, kindergarten hockey. You need to say, you need to make a good pass out of your zone. The first thing for me is that first pass out of your own blue line, right? Because that's going to make the team have to reset. They're going to have to clear, otherwise they're offside. That little thing, just that first pass past the blue line. Worry about getting in the offensive zone after that, but you need to... The thing that's killing this team is the first pass from the defenseman out to the first forward. Or even a cross pass from a defenseman. Or a forward back there with the puck. The first pass to get past the blue line. That's the thing that needs to change. That's the first thing that needs to change. Is That's where you're giving away these grade A scoring chances. It's just the first pass. Like, bear down on that. You don't even have to be perfect with stringing three, four passes together to gain zone entries. Like, it's just about getting it out of your zone at this point. That's the thing that's killing this team. So I know that we talked about like what needs to change first. I think it's just bearing down on that first pass. That's the first thing I need to see change because we've talked, I asked Travis this question in a zoom meeting. Like when, what, what do you see? Travis is what I asked him. Like, what do you see? And what will we see when you know that your team's engaged into a game and things are changing? And he said possession. And I think that he's right to a certain degree. Like when the top six has possession in the offensive zone, He's right. That's when the top six is at its best. But this team isn't losing because their top six isn't at their best. This team is losing because they're giving up these absolutely horrible giveaways so close to the net and putting their goalies in these horrible situations. That's the first thing that needs to change. It's not possession. It's just getting the puck out of your own zone. Like how? That's the first thing that needs to change. That's the first thing that's going wrong for them. Yeah, I think you're right. And you mentioned little things there. Do you know who's really good at doing the little things? Little okay. things, Louis Erickson. I think we should cut to break now. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll spend the next uh, second half of this episode just talking about Louis Erickson. Perfect. Um, all right, hey, we'll cut hey, to break. Sorry, here. Yep. sorry to cut you off, but uh, the Chinese New Year game is coming up, or Lunar New Year. Sorry, the Lunar New Year game. You've got your yep. uh, you got your jersey there. Um, the Canucks I were do. teasing that they're going to be using those again. Uh, I think it's on February 11th. I think um but yeah you you're gonna have to bust that out for good luck the louis erickson lunar new year jersey of course i will i mean you know what i thought um i think i have this right i think that the year of the rat yeah it was so this jersey that i have has like a rat on the side of it and it's a louis erickson jersey i just i don't know this is the like this is the perfect jersey like it's the perfect jersey. it's right behind me here but like oh, the year the of the rat louis erickson Lunar New Year. It's the it's the perfect jersey. So it's we'll, so uh, nice. It's so <laughs> it is. nice. It's like the red, and the yellow, or the gold looks oh, really yeah. good with the flying skate. Like that's a very nice jersey. It's beautiful. I think that that I think uh, if we can get a chance to get some of that in the shop, I, I'm down to pick it up because the gold, like gold's my favorite color. I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but like also I don't think gold's an actual color. Is it a color? Yeah, it counts as a color. Come on. Okay, well gold gold's my favorite color. I think it's the coolest color. I think if I, like, the way that I think of, like, 
your favorite color. And a lot of people like don't have a favorite color, but this is the way that I can get it. And I'll ask you this question before we close out. Okay, if you had like the nicest Lamborghini car and you wanted to show it off, show off that you have this beautiful $400,000 Lamborghini, what color would you get your Lamborghini in quads? Midnight purple. Yeah, there you go. So that's your favorite color. Oh, you know what? I do like midnight purple. Because like, my favorite color when people ask me, I always say blue, but I don't think mm-hmm. I'd get a blue Lamborghini. No, you'd get a midnight purple because that's your favorite color to show off. I think that's your favorite color. Mine would be gold. Could you imagine a gold Lamborghini driving around? It'd, it, well, it'd fit right into Vancouver, to be honest. But Just slap I would go an with N gold. on the back. Yeah, absolutely. We'd be all <laughs> set. All right, and we'll slap an end onto this first half of the episode. We'll throw <laughs> some wow. ads here. Boom, yeah. We'll throw uh, throw to some ads here, and we'll catch you guys on the other side. I got a little bit of a prospect report. Uh, Utica is just getting started tonight. Actually, they just started right now. Uh, so we'll touch on that just a little bit and what we would like to see from Utica, and then we'll dive into a few more things as well. So we'll catch you on the other side. Let's cut to break. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for epic case break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game? Well, problem solved, folks. Same day delivery now from the folks at Parallel 49 Beer. That's right, the P49 crew is here and available on Uber Eats. All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.Parallel49Brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. Oddshark.com is your home for sports odds, picks, betting, and futures. Speaking of futures, my big bet right now is taking Braden Holtby to win the Vesna. You've heard Chris and I talk about that if there's anybody that can get Holtby back, it's Ian Clark. So we bet, well, we, I say we, it was just me. I bet that Braden Holtby would win the Vesna. That's my big bet. Go make a play at oddshark.com. All right, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade, the Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far, my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best tastiest drink on the market right now and thank you very much to our four sponsors on the show we're going to get to the betting segment at the very end of this episode i got some some khl bets you might want to dive into a little bit but we're going to a different league not the khl not the nhl because the ahl quads as we're speaking right now i can see comets Corey tweeting out scoring chances from cole lind and sven berchi uh the utica comets are now underway with this weird AHL season that we're going to see where 28 of their 32 games are against two teams so there's going to be some rivalries going on throughout the season it's going to be a fun year to follow I just want to go right off the top I think it's I think it's pretty obvious the guy that's going to be mentioned here um, so I'm just going to say his name do you want to talk about what you want to see from Cole Lynn this year at the AHL well I think playing center is a 
is a massive part. Like, I think we talked about him a bit last week, but, you know, this team doesn't really have a third-line center. You hope Goddard can become that, but, you know, if Cole Lind can develop into a third-line center, that's fantastic news for this hockey club. So, yeah, like, I think you just want to see him kind of continue to progress as a center, and I think the big thing is they want to run the offense through him, and they don't want him to kind of be a pedestrian. They want him to control the play, and they want to run the play through him, which I think is going to be massive for his development. So I think this is going to be a huge year for Colin, and it's going to be one we have to follow closely and be sure to update all of our wonderful listeners on. Absolutely. Corey's going to do that every single midweek show with us for sure. But, you know, I'm going to be watching as well. You're going to be watching as well. And I think that the exciting thing for Cole playing center is that we saw a lot of success last year for him on the power play when he was playing center. And I know that's that's a very different spot to be in, right? I mean, it's not back and forth action on the power play. You're mostly just controlling the puck in the offensive zone. But Cole was used in a spot where... You know, making good passes was something that had to be demanded from him to play on that first power play unit. Let's let's look at the guys that were on that first power play unit. And Justin Bailey, who scored a ton of goals. Reed Boucher scores a ton of goals. Nikolai Goldobin scored a ton of goals on the power play. And then Brogan Rafferty, who was a great quarterback on that unit. Cole fit right into that, that five-man unit as the playmaker. A lot of people saw this kid play at the WHL level and they said, wow, this kid's got a good shot, he's feisty, he's going to be able to do that at the next level. But the thing that's really sticking out, and I think I touched on this with Corey in our 35-minute chat, whatever we had earlier this week, uh, for the return to riding the bus, but the thing that I'm so excited to see is playmakers that can that are centers are just something that just goes hand in hand right I mean you play the center position it's great for you to be a good passer and if that's the step that Cole has taken the biggest from his junior time to his professional time is just becoming a better passer I think the move to center just makes a lot of sense and he was fine on the face-offs last year and and I brought this up with Corey think about the guy that he's going up in these face-offs with last year when he's on the power play like for the Canucks it's Jay Beagle going out there to take that first face-off for you he's one of the better face-off men in the league and I think that you know Cole was going up against the best face-off guys from a lot of these AHL teams and he looked fine last year at center so I uh you know obviously we're recording the episode right now I'm gonna have to watch the game later tonight as I'm as I'm cooking up those mashed potatoes as I told you uh earlier on I think in the Patreon episode but having him play center is just going to be so interesting to watch the pace of play at five on five. I think that's the biggest thing is like, if it fits, you mentioned it, like this is a great setup for the Vancouver Canucks to move him into the NHL as a center, because looking at what they have on the bottom six centers, he, you know, Travis Green trusts Brandon Sutter a lot. He trusts Jay Beagle a lot. You could really slide Cole Lind like as a fourth line center with offensive potential because he doesn't have to really play third line minutes. He's going to be playing more fourth line minutes as a five on five center. Yeah, like the interesting thing is they 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 could develop him into a penalty killer. Like I think they want to play him on both special teams. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think that they have they have some options, but I mean looking at it. I think that they're going to trust Cole Lynn more than a Carson Folk to blow out there and be a center on the faceoff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see him play some penalty kill minutes at all. And that would be huge. Like if he can if he can play both special teams and he can do it well enough at the AHL level, that gives Travis Green and the Canucks coaching staff a lot of options with this kid, and it makes him much more you know versatile because you know they wanted Adam Gaudet to start doing some penalty killing work over the summer. Uh, they had him doing it in training camp, but we haven't seen it in the season, right? They don't trust him enough to do penalty killing at the NHL level, which is fair. But if Colin can add that to his game 
and he becomes the center, like, this is a player that all of a sudden is much more valuable to this organization than he was, say, even a year ago. So I think it's going to be really interesting to follow his development in Utica, and I'm I'm really excited to be following along with Corey and you and just kind of hearing what's going on with Cole this season. Yeah, I think that there's quite a few different storylines that we can look at. Cole Lynn's obviously the big one, but... There's a couple other situations, I guess, with the AHL team. And one that I know you find pretty interesting, Quads, is the Archer Sillows. I mean, this kid is so young. I think he's been pretty promising from what we've seen at training camp and over the young part of his career so far. But what does it mean for you to see him play in Manitoba instead of Utica? Because it feels like he would have got a lot of starts in Utica. But the Blues sent quite a few. I think they sent two of their goalie prospects uh, to that team so you're gonna see a lot of the blues goaltenders there instead of jake kiley who's down in utica but what does that mean for Seelovs, do you think to be with the manitoba moose well it's interesting because admittedly i haven't watched many manitoba moose games i don't know what their defensive environment is like i don't know what it's really going to be like for him because you know you don't have to look far to see that he didn't have a great save percentage in barry with the colts and i think the thing that people kind of need to realize about silovs is he's working on narrowing his stance and you've heard me talk so much about this about how that's the biggest thing for him to find success the guy covers the whole like the entire bottom of the net like his legs are freakishly long and he's a freak athlete like you want to talk about freak athlete goaltenders you look no further than andre vasilevsky who, interestingly enough, is who Silov said he models his game after. They do play pretty similar styles, actually, uh, which is really interesting. Obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be Vasilevsky, but <laughs> it's interesting that that's kind of the guy he gravitates toward, too, because I can definitely see that comparison. Um, I think the big thing for him is just going to be continuing to get used to the North American game. Very different in Latvia. Um and I think that was kind of a shock for him at the OHL level. I think he was getting used to it toward the end of his tenure with the Colts. Uh, now he's going to be playing professional hockey. You've heard me, you've heard Kevin Woodley, you've heard Chris, everybody talk about how important and how big of a jump it is from junior to the AHL. Like that's professional hockey. Like the shots come quicker, the play develops faster. Um, and it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for sure for a young goaltender like Silov. So I'm really interested to see how he does. I'm not expecting him to come, you know, play lights out hockey, uh, in his first couple starts for sure. Um, so with that in mind, I'm also going to be interested to see how he's deployed and how many starts he picks up in Manitoba. Because again, like that's the Jets farm team. They're probably not going to want to give Solovs a bunch of starts, especially if he's losing them games, right? Like, you know, the, these guys have pride and they want to win games. So yeah, they'll give him some starts, I'm sure, which is going to be great for him. But I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to see a lot of results from him that you're like, oh man, like, yeah, the, the, get excited about this guy. He's a project goaltender. The Canucks knew that when they drafted him. And I think it's going to be fun to watch his progression and kind of look beyond the stats. And I think that's where you and I are going to have to come in clutch there, Chris. Absolutely. I think a, a guy in a similar situation like you just mentioned there, not just looking at the stats, is going to be Jet Wu in Utica. And we'll wrap it up here, just kind of touching on what I think we're going to see from Jet Wu. I think you're not you're going to see games where he's not in the lineup. I think there's a lot of room to grow for him. He's a 20-year-old kid who's jumping into the league, and, and it's going to be hard. Making the jump to professional hockey is hard. We saw it with Cole Lynn. We saw it with Jonah Gadjevich. So I'm just hoping that there's some good defensive things from, from Wu this year, uh, and maybe more Twitch streams. That would be fun as well. But to wrap up the comments conversation before we move into the prospects a little bit, Guess who scored the first goal for the Utica Comets this year? They're up one nothing. It just happened. Cole Lind. 
Absolutely. Cole Lynn with the first goal of the year for the Yuka Comets. That's a good start for the kid. Uh, love to hear that. We're going to be talking a ton of Cole Lind over this show and with Corey, obviously, every week as well. So that's great. And I think speaking of prospects, that will move us right into the prospects report. I just got to give a little bit on Vasily Pod Coles, and I know that's the guy that I've been talking about a lot lately, but it's because he's really starting to pick up his game. Last three games, 18 minutes, 17 minutes, 15 minutes, Really good performance from him in each of those games. Four shots on goal in each of the last two games. He's got three point, sorry, four points in his last six games. He's only been on the ice for one goal against this year. Or, sorry, in the past six games. I'm really messing up my stats here. Uh, but he's got one of the lowest goals against per 60 at the KHL level right now from the numbers that I was looking at. So, good to see with him. He's having a great performance so far. And he's going to continue on. He's got a game on Sunday morning, 6 a.m. I'll be up for that. Um... Who else did I talk to? Talked to Dmitry Zlodiev uh, this morning a little bit. He's back in the lineup, scored a goal in his first VHL game, which is good to see. He is healthy. Uh, it wasn't really a bad injury, he told me. He said it was more, he could have played, but it was more like it's a middle of the season. Let's get you back to full health before we throw you back in the lineup kind of deal. So he's back. Zlodiev's back in the action. And we're working on a nickname if it's just Z or the villain. But what do you feel is a better nickname for him? Is it just Z for Zlodiev or the villain, which is kind of what... Zlodiev translates to from Russian to English. The Zlodfather. All right, let's get to the betting segment. <laughs> that was horrible. Um, okay, <laughs> our betting segment here brought to you by Odd Shark. Quads, speaking of Russian hockey, I hit hard on a, on a KHL parlay the other day calling that uh, Ska would come back and win that game, which they were down one nothing in. I hit that with a couple of easy parlays. Ooh. Put five bucks on it. I think I pulled out $41 from a little KHL action. I don't know if anybody else is dabbling over there. But the Super Bowl is this weekend, so there's a ton of bets to get into. I want to get your opinion on the on the anthem. Over, under, a minute and 59 seconds. Can you bet on that? Yeah, dude. I looked at this, so we use Bodog, but we use Odd Shark to give us all the odds. And then, you know, if there's a better odd available, better odds available from Odd Shark, like, I'll switch sites and go somewhere else for the better the better money and the more value for my bets. So that's why Odd Shark is so awesome. Yeah. But I just think that so the the over under is set at 159. There's 760 Super Bowl bets that you can make. And one of them happens to be the anthem. The other one's the coin toss. I hear that a lot of people bet on the coin toss cuz like that might just set your mood for like all the other bets that you have on that day. Like you throw a good amount of money on heads or tails and like that's going to be your vibe for the day. So I got some stuff on Rob Gronkowski. I think he might have a big game. Uh, just kind of shock people a little bit. Brady might fall back to him, but he hasn't been great all year. So I'm just throwing a little bit of fun money on Gronkowski having a good game. Um, and I got Brady going under 300 yards for the big game uh, on Sunday. So I don't know. Any any other betting things you want to add? What has your betting life been like last couple days? Well, I've been betting on football, uh, these playoffs, and I don't watch football. Uh, the thing I've learned, Chris, is don't bet against Tom Brady. Like, I, I've learned that. <laughs> I've, you know, against the Saints, I, I had a pretty big bet that there'd be over 53 points scored in the game. And I also bet that the Bucks would win and they were the underdog in that game. And then... Mm. It worked, so I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident uh, heading into this week for sure. So I don't know. I, 
Man, if you're asking me what my bet is this weekend, I, I'm going Brady again in the Super Bowl. I think I think they're going to beat the Chiefs, even though Mahomes is like ridiculously good. I I really think it's going to be Brady that wins another ring. I I think it's just it's just inevitable. See what you want about him. Yeah. It's it's inevitable. Don't bet against. You Brady. have the odds too. I mean, there's a good return on that just betting for them to win. And I just think it, it's going to be fun. Like tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up before ten because tomorrow morning or I guess Saturday when people are listening to this, like. The cool thing about Saturday Hockey Night in Canada, the one that's going on today as this episode's released, you got 10 a.m., you got the Canadians and Senators, 4 p.m., you got the Canucks and the Leafs, and then 7 p.m., you got the Oilers and the Flames. Like, we're so lucky on the West Coast here to, like, get that kind of spread for your games throughout the day. So I'm excited for that. That's going to be a lot of fun and just a a good day of hockey. So, yeah, check out Odd Shark if you guys want to get a bunch of the odds. Like I said earlier, it's great to check out different websites. You're going to get a lot different values on different websites, we've noticed. So Odd Shark is great for that. And they got a ton of different articles about the Super Bowl anyways. So, Quads, anything uh, else you got before we close out this episode? I think we've covered it a lot. We did a lot in that first half of the episode there. Yeah, we did. I think I think we're good. I think we can close it out right here. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, Saturday night could be a big one for the Canucks. And the thing is, like, Canucks Twitter's going to have a big runway with the game starting at 4 o'clock. So that's a long runway for Canucks Twitter <laughs> if they end up getting shellacked again. So uh, we'll wrap things up there. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 134 of the Canucks Conversation. For my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.